Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. You know this message that you're about to hear. I pray that it not only inspires you, but encourages you to follow Jesus even more. In fact, there are probably people in your life who need to hear this timely word. Chances are you're thinking about them right now. Share this message with them. And listen, if you're watching on YouTube, let me encourage you to hit subscribe, stay tapped in. You know, I also wanna take the time to thank all those who support us. We wouldn't have any ministry outside these four walls if it weren't for our friends who come alongside us in prayer and supporting us financially. You know, there are thousands, there are thousands who are benefited by this ministry because of your giving, and we thank you. To continue or to even start supporting our mission to help others and their families follow Jesus, you can give by visiting cfmiami.org slash give. We also wanted to update you on something important. Recently, our on-demand services will be available starting Sunday evenings. To catch the entire service, be sure that you're logging onto our live streams when we begin services Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Otherwise, you'll be catching the service midway through. Enjoy this sermon. Man, we are, aren't we blessed with the most amazing worship team in the world? Can we encourage them? Amen at all campuses. And folks, I'm, listen, I'm glad that our team sang that song because a song involves a, a child of God taking steps of faith. It, it involves a, a child of God coming to a place that they venture and entrust God with things that maybe they have never entrusted God with. And folks, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. In fact, today's message is entitled, The God Who Sees Those Who Trust Him, Who Entrusts Him with Those Things in Our Life that we so care about. And so welcome again, my name is Zomar. Uh, I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I wanna welcome uh, everyone right now watching us live online, as well as everyone in our local campuses, Doral, Northern Miami, Coral Gables, West Kendall, our Reland Homestead area, and even here at Palmetto Bay. If you're a first time guest, uh, man, we love that fact that you've joined us today to study God's Word. In fact, can we encourage them at all campus right now? Man, it's good to have you as we study God's Word today. And we are continuing a series called The God Who Sees as we've been going through the, the book of Genesis. We've been learning a lot. It's been great so far. And uh, today, we're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. And so if, if you don't mind, wherever you're, where you're watching, go ahead and remain standing for the reading of God's Word. We honor His Word here by standing for the reading of it. And I'll be reading. You can follow along with me as I read verse 1 and 2. Let's do what God's Word says. And after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you what, church family? Whom you what? Yeah, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. In other words, God was telling Abraham, listen, Abraham, I want you to entrust me with that thing in your life that you love so much that is most precious to you. I want you to entrust him to me, amen? That is God's word. You can go into the everybody at all campuses. good to have you again. And folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, many of you know that I have a little girl and her name is Camila. And uh, I got to tell you, ever since the day she was born, she's captured my heart. 
and, and then follow me here because I recall, I go back to that day when she was first born and I remember for the first time I held her in my arms just like that. And folks, immediately after, after I held her for the first time, I wrapped her in this really cozy gray blanket. As you can see behind, that was the first thing that I did. And folks, throughout the years, Camila has become attached yeah, to this blanket. In fact, this thing is the thing that she loves the most, that she treasures the most. Yeah, that, the thing that's most precious in her life. And folks, she treasures, in fact, she treasures this so much that Ashley and I thought, you know what? If Camila ever lost this blanket, we're gonna be in trouble. Oh yeah. So here's what we did. We went to the store. To the same store, we bought another blanket. Shakes just like it. And one day, we kind of swapped it out just to see. But the moment she grabbed that blanket, she's like, this is not my blanket. Uh-uh, oh yeah. She knew there was a backup. In fact, she rejected that blanket. In fact, this is the backup blanket that she's never used. Yeah, because she rejected. Yeah, and, and, and something about her knew that that was not the blanket that she loved. And folks, what I've noticed about Camila is that every, that, that when it comes to this blanket, even though I was the one who gave her that blanket, folks, I was the one who wrapped her for the very first time in the first day of her life. I wrapped her in that blanket. In spite of all that, folks, there are times that she does not want to entrust me with that blanket. In fact, I'll take her to school and I'll say, hey, can, can daddy hold it for just a moment? Uh-uh. And she has to hold it all the way to school right before she gets off, even though I was the one who gave her the blanket. And folks, do not miss this because really Camila doesn't mind entrusting me with anything in her life. In fact, whenever I ask her to give me anything, she doesn't mind. But folks, when it comes to her blanket, to the one thing that she loves the most, to the one thing that is most precious in her life, folks, even though I, her earthly father, gave her that blanket, she has a hard time entrusting me back with that blanket. And folks, let me just bring that over to our teaching for today because I thought to myself, what an example of how we can behave with our Heavenly Father. And by that, I mean that just like Camila, right, doesn't at times entrust me with that thing that I bless her with. Just like that. And here's the main idea for today. Folks, there are certain things in our life, in your life, in my life, Folks that we love, things that are very precious to us, things that we, that we treasure more than any other things in this world. And the reality, the reality is that we have a hard time entrusting our Heavenly Father with those things. In fact, sometimes we hold on those things so tight because we feel if we can hold on tight to that thing that we love, to that issue in our life, then we can control that thing in our life. So the question I want to pose for you today, wherever you're watching, is what is the blanket in your life? What is that thing in your life that you love so much 
that you treasure so much, that you've worked so hard, that you have trouble in trusting your heavenly father with that one thing. For some of us, it may be our romantic life. Maybe right now you're in a season of singleness and, 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 and you treasure so much that aspect of your life that you never want to entrust God with that aspect of your life. For some of us, it could be our spouses, our children, our grandbabies. Maybe there's a situation going on in your marriage or with your children, and you're having trouble in trusting God with that specific issue in your life. Maybe for some of us, if we could be honest, it's our finances. It's our money. It's our career. It's the business that we have. That even though God has entrusted you with that, folks, you have a hard time entrusting God with that one thing. And here's what happens when we hold on tight to those things. You know what happens? The harder you hold on to it, the more anxiety you get in your life. The fearful you are in your life. Why? Because the harder you hold on to it, you realize that you really can't control it that way that you want it. Isn't that right? And folks, listen, you may be here right now thinking, oh, Marlis, I'm, I'm tracking with you. Because for the most part, I don't mind trusting God with certain things in my life. But I know that there's certain things that I really haven't taken that step. I really haven't fully surrendered. I really do not trust God fully with it. But I want to. You know, I love the Lord. I don't want to be someone who's walking with the Lord and not entrusting God with everything, especially the most important things in my life. So Omar, what do we need to know? When we find ourselves holding on to those things in our life and not entrusting our Heavenly Father with those things. Folks, we're going to find out today from the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis chapter 22, all right? So if you have your Bibles at all campuses, let's go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 22. You can follow in our listening guides as well as in our app. And folks, today I have two important reminders, all right? about what to do when we have those things that we're holding on. Christ Fellowship, are you ready to dive into God's Word today? All right, so if you're ready, write this down as point number one. Here we go. First thing you need to be reminded is that God wants you to entrust Him today with the most precious thing in your life. Now, folks, listen to what God's Word says in Genesis chapter 22. It says, now after these things, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you what? Whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now stop right there and slip into the scene for a moment. Because we've been learning as we've gone through the book of, of Genesis that Abraham and Sarah arrived in the land of Canaan, which is modern-day Israel, when they were about 75 years old. And folks, even though they were already in their, latest, in, in the, in their later stage of their life, they, were never, they, they had never been able to have children. But shortly after, God appeared to Abraham, promised him 
that he, was, that he would have a son one day, and through that son, uh, he would, his offspring, there would be a great nation that would come about, and eventually the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would come through the lineage of that son. And so at 75 years old, Abraham and Sarah began to try to have a child again. One year passed. Nothing. Three years passed. Nothing. Five years passed. Nothing. Ten years passed. Nothing. Twenty years passed. Nothing. To the point that God again visited Abraham and Sarah, as we learned last week, and reminded them of this great promise. And at that juncture, as we learned last week, what did Sarah do? Can, can you help me out there? She laughed. The moment she heard, after 20-something years, this promise is so valid, she began to laugh. But folks, here's what the reality is. But God never fails, amen? Listen, what he promises to do, he will do, amen? And so when Abraham was about 100 years old, envision that, 100 years old, Eventually, Sarah conceived, as the Lord had said, and they had a little baby boy. Baby boy, his name was Isaac, which in that language, in the original language, it means laughter. So they named the little boy laughter because Sarah laughed at the promise of God. But nevertheless, you can imagine how much they loved this little boy. You can imagine this elderly couple Finally, at 100, got that promised son. And you could imagine them the first couple of days of his life at how they would look at that boy, how they would care for him. You could envision them when little Isaac began to walk and they were helping him take, him take his first steps, an elderly couple helping them, his, their son take the first steps, how they taught him how to say his first words. You can imagine every night when they would put him to sleep, maybe they would come together and would just look down upon this child and just pray a blessing over this beautiful boy. And that boy is the one that God told Abraham one day, go take that son whom I gave you, whom you love, and go sacrifice him to the land where I shall tell you. Now, folks, imagine the conversation between Sarah and Abraham. Imagine Sarah being at that stage of her life when Abraham tells her that she's going to take their boy to sacrifice them to God. She's probably thinking, Abraham, are you sure that's what God said? Listen, you're getting older. You may not be hearing right. Yeah, uh, Abraham, this is not only your son. This is my son whom I love. This is a son who I bear. It's Abraham, are, are you sure? This does not make sense. Why would God wait, make us wait a hundred years for a child to then tell you to go sacrifice him on a mountain? It doesn't make sense. Folks, here's what we're going to learn from God's word. Write this down, letter A. That trusting God means obeying him even when it doesn't make sense. And folks, listen to what happens next. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, 
and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of, that God had told him. And on that third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took it in his hand, the fire and the knife. So they both, so they went both of them together. Now, Abraham was not a perfect man. We've learned that in this series, right? But boy, no, no one can deny that he was a man of faith. In fact, he obeyed God with that thing in his life that he cared about the most, that was most precious to him. And what I love is that in this passage, there's a repetition of the word and six times which it says that, and Abraham did this, and Abraham did that, and Abraham did this, which implies that there was never a hesitation for Abraham to obey the Lord with that thing he loved, his son, to what, even when it did not make sense. And folks, the question that I want to pose for you today is this. Are you obeying the Lord with that thing in your life that you care so much about? In other words, that thing that you care so much and God is asking you to entrust him and to lay it at his altar, are you obeying the Lord or are you holding on to that one thing? You may be sitting here thinking, oh, well, you know what? I trust with everything in my life. I trust God with everything in my life. But here's the truth. The truth of the matter is that the areas that we care most about in our lives are usually the areas that we struggle to obey the Lord. In fact, I will venture to say that the area in your life that you are refusing to obey the Lord in, you may be caring more about that specific thing than even God himself. So you're choosing to hold on to that thing and not obey the Lord, despite the fact that he probably blessed you with that thing. So for example, again, you may be here and you may be single, and you have a desire to meet someone, and you're getting older, but you care about this situation so much that instead of entrusting God with this area in your life, you hold on to it tight and you go from relationship to relationship and you know that every time you get into those relationships, you're not honoring God. Perhaps there's a situation in your family life with your spouse, with your children, and the reality is that God is asking you to entrust them, but you're not really obeying the Lord in that specific area, so maybe your pride is getting in the way. For some of us, it's a lifestyle. Share with you a couple of weeks. Some, for some of us, it's a group of friends. It's a specific thing that you're doing on Friday nights and Saturday nights. And God is telling you, listen, you want to walk after me? Lay this and trust me with this air in your life. But you keep holding it back. You're not obeying the Lord. And therefore, every single weekend, you find yourselves doing things that do not honor God. 
And if we can be really honest, for some of us, a big struggle for many is our money. It's our finances. It's our businesses. It's our careers. You know, there's come some point that God says, listen, and trust me with what I've given to you. And trust me, lay it out the altar. I am worthy of your trust. But you don't do that, and you're holding it in, you're hoarding it in, and by you're disobeying God along the way. So what is that thing in your life? You see, there comes a point that we need to obey God with that specific areas in our life, even when it does not make sense because he is worthy of our trust. Can I get an amen to that? And so the reality is this, and that trusting God is not only taking a step of obedience, saying, Lord, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust you. But not only that, but write this down as letter B. Trusting God also means being confident that God will fulfill his promises. In fact, listen to what happens next in the story uh, of Abraham and Isaac. It says this. It says, and Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. He said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they both went to, so they, so they went both of them together. And when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife, to slaughter his son. Now, folks, imagine what must have been going through Abraham's mind as he's going up that mountain. I find myself in, in Abraham's shoes thinking, well, if I was in the, he's probably thinking, when I get to the top, where will I slaughter him? Where would I insert the knife into my son so that he won't feel much pain and it will be a quick death. And as you can imagine, as Abraham is laying his son, he's probably thinking that's the place where it's best. And so as he's lifting his hands about to slaughter his son, he's saying, Lord, please help me to insert this knife right where it will hurt him least. And now you may be thinking, Omar, how could Abraham do this? Right? How, how can he have the ability to do this? What type of mindset could Abraham have, ha have to lift up a knife against his son? Folks, listen, the key to obeying God, even when it does not make sense, is being confident that God will fulfill his promises. In fact, in, listen to what God's word says in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. Because I always like to remind you, the best commentary to Scripture is always Scripture itself. Amen? And so listen to what it says in the book of Hebrews because it provides insight as to what was going on in Abraham's mind the entire time. Listen to what it says. It's by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And now, folks, listen carefully to what it says next. 
And he considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And so folks, here was Abraham's mind. You want to know what was, what was he thinking? He's thinking to himself, even if I get to the point where I slaughter my son, God is going to resurrect that boy. Why? Because God knew that through that boy, through that son, the offspring will come, the great nation will come, and all the promises of God will be fulfilled. And so in his mind, listen, I don't know what's going to happen, but I am certain that even if I slaughter my son, listen, God will raise him from the dead because God will never fail in his promises. Amen? And child of God, listen, I don't know your situation right now. I don't know the anxiety. I don't know the issues in your life. You may be going th through things that people will never realize, but let me help you understand. When God is asking you to do something in your marriage, in your finance, with your children, listen, even when it does not make sense, the key to obeying God is being confident that God will fulfill his promises. And so child of God, through the good times in your life and through the hard times in your life, the key to living a life of obedience, of steadfast obedience, is having this rock-solid confidence that what God has declared in his word would come to pass. And so therefore, you can walk by faith knowing that our God will fulfill his promises. Come on, can we praise God to that for that? And here's what happened. Listen, and trusting God is not only about obeying and also being confident in God's promises, but also write this down so that are seen. Trusting God means knowing that God sees our needs and will provide. Now, folks, listen to what happens next. It's a long narrative, but always oh, it's so important for us to know. Listen to what it says. But the angel of the Lord called to him, right, when he has his knife up, and he said from heaven, and he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on that boy or do anything to him. For now I know you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind them was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So notice what happened. Right at that juncture, God intervenes, shows them behind them that there is a ram caught in a thicket. He unhinges the ram, and that's the sacrifice that Abraham and Isaac do. But folks, here's what's important. That moment in time, revealed that Abraham treasured God more than he treasured his son. It showed that God, that Abraham loved God more than even the love that he had for his son. The Lord accordingly blessed him. But folks, notice what Abraham says next, because this right next, this next verse is the heart of this passage. Y'all ready? Let's do what it says. So then, so then Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will what? Provide. 
as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now, if you have your Bibles open or your uh, handouts, go ahead and circle the phrase, the Lord will provide. Circle the phrase, the Lord will provide. Because in, throughout this series, we've seen different names of God in the Old Testament begin to be revealed. And here we see another name of God being revealed by Abraham as he called that place a specific name. And the name of that place was Jehovah Jireh. Now, can you say Jehovah? Say Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Yeah. And, and, and folks, that's a name that many of us have heard before, Jehovah Jireh. And what that word, what that name means of God, Jehovah is the personal name of God. Jireh means provide. So Jehovah Jireh. So the name Jehovah Jireh means God will provide. But here's what many people do not know. The more literal translation of that specific uh, phrase is not God will provide, but it's actually, it's the God who sees. You see, in the original Hebrew, the word there for ra'ah, Jehovah ra'ah, ra'ah simply means to see. And so you're probably wondering, well, what's the connection between the God who sees and and God will provide? Well, here's a connection. Whenever Almighty God sees a need in one of his children, he is always faithful to provide for that need. So you see, God seeing our need becomes synonymous with God providing for our needs. And and, and so, listen, in our lives, listen, you need to be reminded that you, the God you put your trust in, the God you serve, the God you love, is not an ordinary God. He is Jehovah Jireh. And the moment that your God sees a need in your life, child of God, you need to be confident that he will also provide the necessary grace to endure and go through the season in your life. So as you go through the highs and lows of life, you be certain. Keep your head up that Jehovah Jireh is looking down upon you every single moment of your life. And when there's a need of your, in your life, he is faithful to provide. Can God's people praise God for his faithfulness? And so you may be here thinking, Omar, listen, I want to trust God. Man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm amening with you. I'm, I'm clapping. I just clap for that point. But listen, listen, listen. How can I know for sure? How can I be sure? What's, what's the guarantee that when God sees a need in that area in my life, in that specific situation that I care about so much, how, what is the guarantee that God will provide, that God will meet me, that God will never leave me or forsake me in that moment? Well, here it, here it is. Write this down as big number two. God wants you to trust him with your immediate needs because he already took care of your eternal need. You see, what many of us may not realize is that this story is one of the most clearest foreshadowing in Scripture of how God will take care of our eternal need, of our most pressing need. You know, you walked in here today and you're sitting here at church and you may think that the greatest need in your life 
It's a relationship issue. It's a financial issue. It's a business need, something in your life. But let me remind you that the greatest need in your life is not one of the, the temporal things in your life, but your greatest need is to be forgiven of your sins. Because the reality is that you and I, were all sinners before God. We've all sinned before God. And the consequence of our sin is eternal separation from God. But here's the beauty of it. 2,000 years ago, the Lord gave his one and only son to die on a cross so that we, our need could be taken care of and that we have the ability to not only be forgiven of our sins, but have everlasting life. Can we praise God today for that? And so the reality, here's what you need to understand. Here's the significance of this passage. You see, what we're going to learn now is that Jesus Christ is the better and greater Isaac. You see, Isaac was simply a foreshadowing of the true and greater Isaac, which will be Jesus Christ. And so I want to now give you a visual of the similarities between the story that we just learned and what happened when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross for us. So let me just give you a quick comparison. The first thing I want you to, I want to highlight is that in this passage that we read today in Genesis chapter 22, what we see is the, the concept of a, of a father loving his son. Now, what you may not realize is that this passage that we read that is the first moment of scripture that the concept of love is ever introduced. Folks, God withheld 22 chapters worth of, his, of, his, of scripture and never revealed the concept of love until that moment right there in Genesis chapter 22. And what's interesting is that it's not describing the love between a husband and a wife. It's not a romantic love. It's a love of a father for a son. And folks, we see in the Gospels how our Heavenly Father also loved His one and only Son. Amen? We see also in the passage that, Abra that God tells Abraham, take your only son, Isaac. Now, if you recall, it's interesting that Isaac was not Abraham's only son. In fact, he had an older brother whose name was Ishmael, and he would go on to have other brothers and sisters but the reality is that God at that juncture specifically said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac. And fast forward to the gospel, we see that Jesus Christ was the only begotten son of the father. It's interesting that on the passage, we see that the moment that they left their home heading to the place, Abraham took with him alongside of Isaac two other men. When we fast forward to the gospel, we see that there were two men that accompanied Christ on that Calvary Hill, and he was crucified between two men. Next, it's very interesting that on the third day was when Abraham and Isaac got to that place. Now, let me give you some more insight to this, because as a passage that we just read in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, it gives an, it alludes to the fact that the moment that Abraham and Isaac left their home that first day, in Abraham's mind, his son was already dead. 
But it's interesting that it was on the third day, the scripture says, that figuratively speaking, he did, he did receive him back. And as we see in the story of the gospels, we see that Jesus Christ resurrected, not on the first day, not on the second day, on the what? On the third day. We see that when they got to the area where the sacrifice would be, we see that Isaac was the one who carried the wood for the altar on his back. And Isaac was the one who carried up that mount the wood that he would be sacrificed on. And we see in the Gospels that our Lord Jesus Christ, after taking a beating, carried the wooden cross up on that mountain, up to that place where he would eventually give his life for us. We see that Isaac, at that juncture, willingly submitted himself to the will of the Father. Right? We look at the Gospels, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus says, not my will, but Lord, but your will, Father. We see that when they got to the top of the mountain, we see that Isaac willingly laid himself on top of that wooden altar. Now, it's important to remember that in the scriptures here, the word boy or lad in some translations is not referring necessarily to a toddler or a five, six-year-old boy. Usually it was used to refer to someone in their adolescence, maybe a teenager, maybe in their early 20s. So what we see here is that Isaac, being of age already, willingly laid himself on that altar. We fast forward 2,000 years later to, to the Gospels. What do we see? Jesus Christ willingly laid himself on that wooden cross. It's interesting that in the passage, God tells him to go to the land of Moriah and there sacrifice your son to me. What you may not know is that the land of Moriah is the exact same region where Jesus Christ was crucified. In fact, I would not be surprised if the same place where Abraham lifted up his hands with a knife to slaughter his son would be the exact same place that Jesus Christ, that the father would slaughter his son. And you see, the last similarity is that in that passage, Abraham, a father, almost pierced his son. Folks, that is where the similarities end. Because 2,000 years ago, we see that the father did not stop the nails to go through the hands of his son, but allowed that, that nails to go through the skin of his son as a ransom for our sins. You see, it's on that mountain right there, listen, that we see that the son was pierced for you and for me. You know, what I love about it is that Abraham at that point called, even before knowing, he called that place Jehovah Jireh. You know, and the reality is that sometimes we think that the phrase Jehovah Jireh means that God is providing our immediate needs. But the greater, truer name of the name Jehovah Jireh is that in that place, God would see our eternal need. 
and the eternal God would give His Son to meet our needs. He saw your need. He saw my need. And He gave His Son. And He provided for us a way to be forgiven of our sins and have everlasting life. Can we praise God for that today? And I love it because in the passage, Abraham, Abraham says, the Lord Himself, my son, will provide an offering. You see, God Himself did provide Himself. That was the way through his son that we can have a future and a hope. So let me end with this. You know, some of us right here today are sitting here and you are reluctant to trust God and obey him with something in your life today. But if that's where you're at, let me remind you what it says in the book of Romans. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? In other words, it doesn't make sense that Jehovah Jireh provided for us. He provided our needs. He gave his one and only son. And now in this situation in your life, he will forget you. That he will abandon you. How could God do that? He already gave a son. Child of God, trust in the Lord. Listen, that if God already gave his one and only son. He is worthy of your trust with that thing in your life. Amen? No matter how precious it is, no matter how reluctant you are to give it up to him, listen, lay it at the altar of the Lord because he, he who calls us is faithful and is worthy of our trust. Can we praise God for him today? So listen, today we're going to end with a song. And a song that we just finished speaking, uh, singing right before we began, and it's a song about trusting God, almost like in deep waters, right? Where you have never ventured before. God is asking us, listen, my son, my daughter, take a step of faith, take a step of faith, and trust me that with that one thing. And so a few moments, listen, as we sing, my encouragement to you, whatever it is in your life, sing to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm entrusting this to you today. You're worthy of my trust, amen? So at all campus, let's go ahead and stand up together. Let me pray for us, and then we will sing a song of praise, our God. Father, we come before you, O Lord. Father, we who are your children, Lord, sometimes we know, O Lord, that it's hard to entrust you with certain things in life. But Father, if you gave your son for us, then Lord, you are worthy of us trusting you, Lord, and obeying even when we don't understand. Lord, I pray that as we sing, that you would expand our faith and trust in you to places we've never gone before. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's worship together.